this morning about the Father's heart. And when I'm talking about the Father's heart, I want you to know that there is a double parallel because we're talking to fathers, yet at the same time, it's good for us to know what the Father's heart is towards mankind. In other words, it's important that we know the love of the Father, the care of the Father, the protection of the Father, the covering of the Father. How many of you know this morning that God the Father loves you and I very much? He is moved. There is a relentless love that comes from the throne room of God towards each and every one of us. And the Bible says that as human beings, mankind was made in the image of God. And so if anything, this reflects the heart of every father. How many fathers do we have here today? How many fathers do we have here today? So I want to speak to every father. Now, the Bible says that here was a son, uh, a father who had two sons. And then it says that not many days after that, the son says to the father, give me my portion. Father, give me the portion of goods. Give me is not a good expression, really. It reveals the heart of the son. It actually shows us that there was something in the relationship between the father and the son, and we don't know what that relationship was. We don't know what that cause was. We know that this father was a wealthy father because of the many hard servants that he had, because there was no lack of food. Even when there was a famine in the land, there was no famine in this father's house. So we understand that this father knew about the importance of acquiring uh, possessions and ensuring that his family had sufficient food and sufficient money. We also know that it was in the heart of this father to develop an inheritance that could be passed on down to children. And I want to say that that is actually the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern is not for children to be looking after parents, but for the parents to hand out an inheritance to the children. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that as children we're not supposed to look after our parents, but the biblical pattern is that we flourish and we prosper so that we can set up an inheritance for our children and our children's children. If I think about Abraham, who when he started was really a nobody. Abraham came from the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, pagan. He was an idolater living in complete chaos, poverty, famine, all of that, and obviously crying out for an encounter with the living God. And God heard his cry. And because of that, and his obedience to the word that God spoke to him, God prospered Abraham. So much so that he was able to pass an inheritance and a legacy to his children, to Isaac and then on to Jacob. And I want to say, fathers, at the end of the day, it's not just about you. It's not just about you and your wife. It's about your children. It's about your children's 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 children. We have a responsibility to pass on an inheritance and a legacy to our children. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. 
I got saved at the age of 19, and there was a lot of things that were passed on to me from my father that were not righteous, that were not godly, that were ungodly, and not because of anything, but because we didn't know the Lord. My, we only came, I only came to know the Lord when I was 19. I wasn't raised up in a godly home. And so, but when I got saved, I purposed in my heart that from this moment onwards, I would set up a stronghold of righteousness, of faith, of prayer, of seeking God, that I would be able to pass that on to my children and my children's children. Hallelujah. And Abraham figured that if there is a sin uh, that's big enough to produce a curse that can be passed down generationally, then how about my faith in God producing a blessing that can be passed generationally as well? But we don't know what the story was here. Maybe the father was too busy. And I want to say, fathers, you can never be too busy for your children. You can never spend too much time on Facebook and Instagramming and social media at the expense of your children. There's no such thing as being a father remotely. There is flesh and blood connectivity that is required. If we are going to father our children, there has to be the flesh and blood involvement. There has to be the time that we have to put in. Can you say amen? Now, I'm loving fathers, and I'm speaking to fathers, and I'm speaking as a father to all fathers. And I want to encourage fathers. You see, children are great imitators. They have two eyes, and they are watching you all the time. You are their superhero, and they will imitate you. But you know, a child knows when you really want to hang out with them or not. A child knows when you're always looking at your watch and you're kind of like frustrated and irritated because you could be doing this or you might be wanting to do that. And they kind of know deep down when you don't really want to spend time with them. I don't know what transpired in this story, but it looks like there was an issue with this father-son relationship. Thank God there's never a problem with our heavenly father. Amen. Thank God that he always has the time to be with us, that the Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says that this son says, give me what is due to me. In other words, I, I, I want what you have, and I don't want you. I want what you have, but I really do not want you. As a matter of fact, maybe it would be good if you were dead. Maybe it would, be, it would be good if you weren't even around. I'm not interested in your covering. I'm not interested in the family name. I'm not interested in what you set up as values in this home. All I want is what you have materialistically. Give me what is due to me. And the Bible says that the Father did so. How many of you know that the Father has so much to give? And I want to say, fathers, we never get to a place where we never give. Even when our kids do let us down, I want to encourage you. There's always a moment, there's always a place to give. We never give up on our children. We never give up on our kids. They might fail you. They might disappoint you. They might let you down. But I want to tell every father, we never give up on our children. The father's heart is such that as long as there is a father that is praying for his child 
and that child still has breath in its lungs, there is always a possibility that God can intervene. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but I want to tell you, do not give up praying for your child. Do not give up on showing a father's heart, loving and showing grace and mercy to that child. We never give up. Would you bump your neighbor and say, Father, never give up on your child. Never give up on your marriage. Never give up on your family. Come on, bump somebody else and tell them, fathers, never give up. Our heavenly father never gave up on us. God never gave up on you. Thank God. I, I think, my goodness, where would I be if God had given up on me? When I had given up on him, he refused to give up on me. So a father's heart never gives up on his children. Can you say amen? We believe in a God of supernatural miracles. We believe that what is impossible with man is possible with God. Anything is possible. Prayer changes everything. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so the Bible says that the prodigal son took his possessions. And then what did he do? He travels to a far distant land. The Bible says he travels to a far country. And there wasted his possession with prodigal living. You see, that's the, that's the whole aspect of sin. Sin wants to separate you from God, from the presence, from the purposes of God, from the plans of God, and take you as far away from all of that as possible. That's what sin does. When Satan was in the garden watching Adam, day after day after day, the thing that he wanted to rob from Adam was his purity and innocence. And that's why as fathers, we have to protect the innocence of our children. We have to protect the purity of our children. Can you say amen? amen. We have to at all costs protect the purity and the innocence of our children and ensure that they do not travel to a far country. That's why we have to revisit the vision all the time and speak the vision and speak the word and speak the blessing, hallelujah. In the Old Testament, fathers were required to just speak the word. In Deuteronomy, it says there in chapter 7 that they were to speak the word, to remind them of the word, to speak the word. Can I say something, fathers? The father's heart is always to declare a faith that is loud and clear. Don't be afraid to declare your faith. Don't be afraid to speak it out aloud. Hallelujah. Your job as a father is to declare the faith of God, to speak it out loud, hallelujah. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing. They might not be doing what you want them to do or what God wants them to do right now, but I can tell you something. They are hearing, and that seed is going into their heart. That seed of faith that you are speaking is going into the innermost man, their spirit being. You are trans, you are busy shaping their spirit man. You are busy speaking into their prophetic future. Hallelujah. You might not see it any like, like, like it is, and they might be as rebellious as anything and might be seemingly as far from God as possible, but don't stop from declaring your faith and speaking the blessings of God over them. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something, fathers? You know, sometimes we have a dream for our kids. Your job is not to impose your dream on your children. 
Your job is to recognize the gifting in that boy, the gifting in that, stu in, in that daughter, and then to steward that gifting and position them so that they walk in the purposes of God, fulfilling their giftings and their talents and abilities. And I tell you what, if you can do that, you know what? It'll change your conversation with them. It'll dramatically change the relationship that you have with your children. A lot of the times we want to impose our will on our children. And sometimes they do follow in after us, and that's well and good. But our jobs as fathers, as the father, the father heart. Listen, God the Father has placed giftings on the inside of you. He never tailor-made all of us and put all the same giftings in us and just blanketed us with the same purpose. We have all different purposes, all different callings. And our job as a father is to recognize the differences in our children. If I think about my two children, Nathan and Rebecca, they are like two poles apart. Rebecca is just like me. I mean, she likes the same food. She thinks like me. She, I mean, we could be like twin brothers almost. And I know the giftings and the callings that are in her that are different to Nathan. And I have to steward Nathan differently to the way that I steward Rebecca. Why? Because I'm not trying to impose my dreams onto her or onto him. What am I doing? I am basically stewarding the giftings that God has placed on the inside of them. The Father's primary responsibility is to recognize and discern the gifting that is on this boy and on this girl. And then to ask God, God, would you give me the wisdom so that I can steward these giftings and develop these giftings so that by the time she or he is an adult, they will become the person that you purpose for them to be and they will be the best at what they have been called to be. Can you say amen? amen. So the Bible says he goes to a far country and it's prodigal living. He spends all his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. So the Bible says that he came to himself, and when he did that, it says there that he said he thought about his father's house. He thought about his home. He thought about the father's heart. He thought about the generosity of the father. He thought about the love and the care and the protection that was in his father's house. Hallelujah. So he begins to contemplate about the goodness of the Father, about the mercy of the Father, about the covering of the Father, about what the Father has to offer. He says, in my Father's house, what? He says, are many hard servants. They've got bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my Father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. How many of you can see that give me now becomes make me? God is in the making business. Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you fishes of men. When God spoke to Abraham and called him out of that land of the earth, the Chaldeans, he said, I will make you into a great nation. And people that bless, I will bless. People that curse you, I will curse. 
and out of you will come many nations. But he said, I will make you. God is in the making business. Can you say amen this morning? Hallelujah. And so the Bible says that now the son comes to himself and here he is now coming back home. I want you to just envisage the scene right now. Here's the son spending months and months living with pigs. And there he is coming in the distance. And the Bible says, as the father sees him, that the father now runs towards the son, runs towards the son. Do you know that it was undignified in Bible days for fathers to run towards their children? But why running? Because in the Old Testament, a rebellious son or daughter, if they would not obey, they would gather the elders and the elders would stone that rebellious son or daughter. Thank God we don't have that today. But the father's running meant that he would ward off the danger of the stoning. And the Bible says that as he came, he began to kiss the son. And in the Greek, it says that he kissed and kept on kissing and kept on kissing, not a once off kiss. And I imagine that the son was trying to explain to the father, trying to trying to just explain and explain and explain and explain. And the more that he tried to explain, the more the father smothered him with kisses because that's the father's heart. That's the father's heart. And the father brings him back into the house, brings him into the house. Son, you've always been a part of this family. You've always been a part of this house. Even when you went off and you did what you were not supposed to do, you're always a part of this house. And what does the father do? He calls his high servants. And the first thing that he does, he says, I want you to find me the best robe. Is that the best robe? That's the best robe made by the best tailor. I think it's a Gucci or Armani, I don't know. And the Bible says that the father covers, he covers the son. He covers the son. Hallelujah. How many of you remember that when Adam sinned in that garden, the first thing he realized was that he was naked because sin exposes you. And what did God do? He slayed an animal, and with the skins of that animal, he covered Adam, just like the father covered his son. You see, the robe represents covering. Hallelujah. And as people of God, we're supposed to cover one another. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. How many of you remember the story of Noah? Remember Noah? The Bible says that when God spoke to him over the flood and blessed him and, and said to him, be fruitful and flourish, he said, I'm going to show you this covenant of a rainbow. No longer will I destroy the earth any longer. And then the Bible says that Noah got drunk the one night. And then in that state of drunkenness, he was uncovered. And one of the sons walked in and and notices the nakedness of his father. But the other two sons, what do they do? They put a garment on them and they walk behind 
and they cover the nakedness of their father. In the end, Noah blesses the two sons that covered him, but the other son, Ham, he went on and curses. Why? Because we're supposed to cover one another. Hallelujah. There is such a thing as a father covering his children. A father covering. Fathers, that's, that's our job. I said that's our job. Our job is to cover our children. Cover them. When you pray for them, you're covering. When you plead the blood, you're covering. Cover your wife. Cover your house. Cover everything that you have is in your possessions. Why? Because as sons and daughters of God, we're supposed to cover one another. Hallelujah. Do you remember that the Bible says that Lucifer in Ezekiel 28 was covered in stones? And the Bible says that he had, as a cherub, he had a covering. He was an anointed cherub. That's what Ezekiel 28 says. He was an anoint. Do you know that there is an anointing that flows from covering? I said, I said, when you are under covering, there is an anointing that comes with covering. Look at somebody and tell them the anointing flows where there is covering. And if there is going to be covering, how many of you know there has to be submission to the covering? Can you say praise the Lord? We're submitted to one another and we're covered by one another. We're covered by this house. Amen. And we're covered by the anointing in this house. And there is a submission to the authority, a submission to Jesus. It's not a dictatorial uh, thing. It's not a lording it over. It's not anything like that. But I want to tell you, there is such a thing as a covering. If we do not cover our children, they end up becoming vagabonds. They're under no covering. In fact, they become easy targets and easy prey to the enemy. So the Bible says, bring out the best robe and let's cover him. And then let's bring out a ring because I need to reinstill the authority that's on me and I need to transfer it to my son. Hallelujah. The authority. The authority that we're talking about is authority in the spirit realm that we carry. Hallelujah. The Father's heart is such that he imparts and transfers an authority that is on him that comes onto his children and his children's children. He says, not only that, but bring out the sandals. Bring out the best shoes. Why? Because the sandals and the shoes represent my walk. Son, no longer will you walk to a far country, but from today, you're going to walk in the plans and purposes of God. From today, these are the gospel peace shoes. And wherever you go, you're going to bring in the sweet fragrance of Christ. But shoes also speak about a positioning. Hallelujah. Do you know that it takes the positioning of a father? A father can't position his children or disposition his children. A father can either make or break the future of his son simply by the positioning. The father's heart is to position you and I so that we can receive the blessings. We can receive the inheritance. A father's heart, can I tell you a father's heart? A father's heart might have attained so much in life, and that's where it got him. But a father's heart is such that my son, 
is going to surpass what I've got and maybe go even further to where I have ever been. And then they called for a fatted calf, but we have a fatted chicken here today. And they said, come on, we're going to have a meal. We're going to have a meal. Do you know what the meal represents? The meal is the meal of recognition. Son. Son, we're going to have a meal together. Because you were my son that once was lost, but now is found. You were my son that once was dead, but now is alive. And this is a meal whereby I recognize you. And I recognize the gift of God. I recognize the plan of God. I recognize the hand of God. And I'm having this meal together with you. Hallelujah. Because I recognize who you are in God and who you are in this family. And the Bible says there was great joy and merriment. Great joy and merriment. Great joy and merriment. Great joy and merriment. Praise God. Well, we thank God for the Father's heart. We were talking about natural fathers, but thank God we have a heavenly Father, and His heart for you and for me is absolutely a heart of love. It is a heart that covers, a heart that protects. It is a heart that has a relentless love for you and for me. And just like in the story, the father never gave up on his children. I want to tell you that God will never give up on you. I don't care how far down the road of sin you might have traversed. I don't care what it is that you've done. But I want to tell you that God loves you and he will never give up on you. People might have given up on you and they might have written you off, but that's okay. God in heaven will never, ever, ever give up on you. The Bible says He will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. I want you to pray this prayer. Would you say after me, Heavenly Father, I come today just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin. And I ask you for forgiveness. I realize that I am a sinner in need of a loving, living Savior. Thank you for never giving up on me. And today I receive your love, your forgiveness. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. And I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I just felt a, a load just get off my shoulders and I felt it like happening for you right now. Just that load and weight of sin just being removed right now. And uh, what a wonderful feeling that is, friend. Just to know that God has forgiven you. You're His child. You belong to Him. The past is over. The past is forgiven. You have a brand new future ahead of you. And today is the beginning of your future. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, or you want us to pray for any need, or you want to testify and tell us about what God is doing through this program, how you've been blessed, would you write to us? Would you let us know? The details are coming up right now on your screen. 
and all you got to do is just let us know. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so tell us about the goodness of God. Tell us how you've given your heart to the Lord right now. If ever you are in this beautiful city of Durban and you happen to be on a Sunday, would you pop in and visit us? Our Sunday services are 8 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and then 5 p.m. We would love to meet you, amen, because you are special to us and to God, amen. Well, that's about it for now. I've so enjoyed spending this time with you. I do believe you have. Until next time, God bless you. And remember that with God, all things are possible. Bye-bye.